0: Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. Well, uh, I want to share with you. You can turn there. It's a very, very odd place to stay to, to start a message. It's Joshua 22. Uh, we'll look at verse 9, but not before I start out with a little uh, prayer and then... Uh, I'll start with a question for you. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. We love you. I just thank you for wow, what a what a beautiful sense it is to return to my brothers and sisters here. And Lord, it is uh, there's just a feeling of home and and uh, the love and the fellowship that Fire just alluded to. Lord is is here, and I thank you for it. I give you praise uh, for this group for the call that you have on them as individuals as family units, and as a body, Father. And I just pray that even through the word that I share this morning, you would stir hearts. Uh, You, Lord Jesus, would say precisely what you want to say, not what I want to say, but what you want to say. And so we give ourselves to you. We love you. uh, We thank you for this time. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You ever thought about this question, How, how does God get things done? It may not stay awake, but it's kind of, it's a good question, isn't it? How does God get things done? Often through people, absolutely. I, I, I fear that a lot of times what we drift into is that we, to create a verb, God gets things done by godding. He gods things, you know? I mean, that, don't we kind of think that way? Okay, God, God has a distinct advantage over me, so he just... He just kind of strolls around being God, and things have to happen because he's God, right? And, and often we, we think that way, but, but the irony is that when Jesus was on earth, that's not really how he operated. Now, I think, to put the disclaimer out there first, I think if you were the man named Saul that was about to become Apostle Paul, you might, you might have gotten godded. Okay, you, when you get knocked off your horse, blinded, and you hear a voice that sounds like thunder to everybody else, but you understand it clearly. You've been godded. Okay, don't you think? So so does it happen? Yes. Does God have the divine prerogative to do that? Yes, he does. But often, when you see the ministry of Jesus, it's something else entirely, isn't it? Jesus didn't go to a, a, a person who was demonically oppressed or demonized and say, I'm God, get out. He didn't go to someone who was sick and say, I'm God, be healed. In fact, it was almost the opposite if you recall, like Luke 4, there's several illustrations in the New Testament where he would cast a demon out of someone and they would say they would scream and say you're the son of God and he was like shut up. Cuz it says they because they knew he was the Christ. He said be quiet. It's, he knew what it was to have a command from God and that there was timing involved in that that you don't just go, okay, this means this, and here we go, we're off on our way. Jesus walked in that, and so he didn't just pull out his card that says, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit enterprises and say, please leave, or be healed, or whatever, which is how we, if we're not careful, we kind of drift into that, don't we? How does God get things done? Well, come on, he's God, are you kidding me? It can't be that hard. He spoke the world, the universe, into existence, but in his kingdom... He has his crosshairs on you and on me in order to accomplish things. And this is important. It's been a struggle, but what I'm understanding that God ruled, he reigned, he was good, etc. But what I ended up doing in my journey was kind of just sitting back and going, he's running the show. I'm just going to watch. And, and as, as we grow in the faith, a lot of times what he's saying is, no, I, I want you. I want to use you. And so I want to challenge you this morning, just from the beginning, it doesn't matter how shy you are, it doesn't matter how well you know scripture right now, it doesn't matter if you have Bible training, God has his eyes on you in order to accomplish things, and I want to just speak this, I want to really prophesy this over you all as a body, declare it, decree it over you. That the time has come for his spirit to stir your heart and to, and to bring forth who he created you to be. And the enemy is working double overtime to make you feel unworthy. Oh, I don't know scripture like she does. I don't have the prayer life that he does. I'm not the pastor. But he has you, each of you in a place. Work, friends, the, meeting the neighbor pulling the garbage can back up on Tuesday morning. That's a place of ministry. And so this is, this is his call for you. God gets things done through you and through me. That's his call. That's how he does it. I want to look at the very strange. Again, I said Joshua 22, the end of verse 9. Israel has taken over Canaan for the most part. You know, they didn't quite do such a good job of that. But most of that was west of the Jordan. There were two and a half tribes that kept their, wanted the land on the east of the Jordan for their flocks. And so these two-and-a-half tribes, the context of this verse is just they had returned. It was time for them. They had gone, helped their brothers fight, gain land, and now they returned. But I want you to look just one, the last phrase of Joshua 22, 9. Because I began to notice a few years ago, you see this phrase over and over and over in some form in the Old Testament. It says they were, go, they were to go to the land of their possession, which they had possessed. This phrase, according to the command, the mouth of the Lord, by the hand of Moses. And you see all through the Old Testament, you see this phrase, the mouth. God speaks something, and then it's accomplished by someone's hand. doesn't mean the physical hand. It means their power. The way What God has put into you is activated. It's made real. And so, so this phrase, the command of the Lord through Moses, I want to use this just as a window, the idea of word and action, or mouth and hand, just as a window to look at what, we, what I want to share with you today. You, you okay with that? You good so far? And no one is asleep. This is awesome. No. Okay. Moses. We're talking about Moses. Moses demonstrated the fact that from the dawn of mankind, there has been a problem between word and action. Would you agree? Ever raised kids? (laughs) Ever worked in school? Ever been in a job? Ever lived more than eight and a half minutes in your life? There's a problem in there. There's a gap. There's a little tension and a battleground between words and action. 95% of parenting. I'll pretend that I don't notice that my son is sitting straight in front of me to my left right now and look at everybody else. 95% of parenting seems to be helping them to understand the connect between words and action. And this is because it's a massive battleground, a huge battleground. And so... Let's look at it in the life of Moses. Moses began to sense the call early in the book of Exodus to lead the children of Israel out of Exodus, didn't he? He began to feel that call, so guess what happened? One day he came on an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and what did he do? He looked this way and that, and he killed him and hid him in the sand. He thought, I've got this call, so I need to take action. But what he didn't understand is that there's a timing you don't just jump because their word needs an action. A couple of chapters later, if you'll turn there, Exodus 4, let's just look at this together. Exodus chapter 4. You'll turn there if you have a Bible. If you don't, don't turn there because that'd be awkward. Exodus 4, then Moses said this, verse 1, what if they will not believe me? Or listen to what I say. For they may say, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. The Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And then you know what happens. He throws it down and becomes a, a serpent. He puts his hand in, in his robe and it turns into leprous with snow and so on and so forth. What if they don't believe what I say? What's in your hand? So my question to you is, what's in your hand? Do not let the enemy convince you that you have nothing to offer. That's the greatest lie in the domain of darkness. Don't let him convince you. And he is working hard to make you and I feel useless and insecure and having no confidence or boldness because he knows how dangerous you can be. And so God just says to Moses, a few, few verses later, verse 10, guess what? We have one of those great God Moses arguments. There are several of them in Scripture. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, (laughs) he was so polite, he said, please, you know, because everything's okay if you say please. Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since I've spoken to your, since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? That's, That's a divine smackdown. Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord. Now, this is great. Hebrew has tons of little sayings. If you see them, you see them in the New Testament, sometimes Hebrew, Aramaic, where it's like, what is that to you and to me? You know, or it is as you say. That just means yes. It's a complicated way. This is one of them. Please, Lord, just send the message by whomever you will. That's irritating. Here's God saying, I've got you. I'm taking care of you. Moses going, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, just whoever you want to. He's just pushing it away. Where are we? How are we responding? A lot of times I fail that test because I don't want to, or it's inconvenient, or I'm not comfortable, or whatever reason. And the anger of the Lord, next verse, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And this is what he said. Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. Moreover, moreover, he's coming out to meet you when he sees you. He'll be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I'll teach you what you are to do. You notice that? I'll be with your mouth. I'll teach you what to do. Moreover, This is amazing. He'll speak for you to the people and he will be as a mouth for you and you will be, Have you ever read this, as God to him. Turn to chapter seven. God cranks it up a little bit. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I will make you as God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Do you see what's going on here? Moses is caught in that expanse that you and I get caught in between what God says and what we are to do, and God's saying, I'm going to take care of this. Moses is so insecure in his ability to speak that God says, okay, I'll rearrange it for you, but there's still a problem. So God has to actually say, listen. I'm going to make you like God to Pharaoh and Aaron will be like your prophet. I'm going to be with your mouth and his mouth. You'll be like God to Aaron. He'll be like your mouth. Are you okay now? Is that enough? There's a gap between what we say and what we do. There's a gap so often between what the Lord says and what we do. And that's the what enemy likes to play. That's his domain. If he can block what God has said to you, what he says to you in the preaching of the word, what he says to you in the quietness of your time with him, if he can block that and get you to be inactive, then he succeeded in taking you off the field. He succeeded in making you ineffective. What's God saying to you? Maybe it's crazy. Maybe it's, maybe it's something you never dreamed you could do. What's he saying to you? That's my challenge to you. I want to look at two ways that God, that God dealt with this, that he answered this in the Old Testament. There are two. That one is law, and the other is prophecy. Okay? Law and the prophets. All right? The law. What happened with the law? That we know of in scripture, the first written law of God is what? Ten Commandments. According to Scripture, both both Exodus and Deuteronomy, written by the finger of God, in two stone tablets, front and back. Well, was that the end? See, those those initial tablets didn't even make it down the, the down the mountain hike, did they? Because what happened? Moses went down, saw the golden calf, crushed him into bit little bits, threw him at his feet, and and crushed him. Was that an accident? Was that a function of Moses having a bad hair day? I've probably shared with you before, I believe that was the plan of God. Because I think God wanted you and God wanted me to realize I never intended for my law to just be written in stone. That was not the goal for it. I intended for my law to be released. I intended it for it to be, that that it be written on your heart and your mind forever. That when my spirit moves upon you and through you, the word of God is what comes forth. Not just in words, but in action. And so I believe that was absolutely within the plan of God. When Moses shattered those because God's going, I never wanted my word to be trapped In stones that you put somewhere and just look at periodically. That's not my goal. I want it to be moving. I want it to be free. It's no coincidence, by the way. Did you notice this? The first two tablets, God made. He carved out the stone. Next time, what does he say? Moses, now carve out for yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, which you shattered, by the way, in a minor temper tantrum down at the bottom of of the mountain. Because, see, the ones that I made have already prophetically been released. The law, the word of God has already been released. What I say and what you do. We've got to bring that together. But I never intended it for it to bleed over. And, you know, you could tell me, what's the fleshly reaction to the law? When you're trying to follow the Lord, it's legalism. It's legalism. God never intended for us just to lock in. You know, I I always joke about this. You know, the the goal of Jesus' death on the cross is not to don't cuss, smoke, chew, and hang around with those who do. God was never going, Yes, I just want you to have these rules. I want you to do your darndest to be good. That's my goal for you. And maybe, just maybe, you'll have some fun along the way. He intended for you to be dangerous. He intended for that. He intended for the Word of God to come out of your pores, out of your look when you look at people, out of your touch, out of your words, out of your actions, not just to be a set of rules and regulations. That was always his intent. But, beloved, this is not just instruction for life. It's instruction for your ministry and your calling. He wants it to flow forth from you. You are fully capable it doesn't matter your age or your background, what you've seen, what you've done or haven't done. God always intended for His word to pour forth through you in power and result in action and change. That was His intent all along. From the moment those those, tabern- those tablets, not tabernacles, those tablets were shattered at the foot of the mountain. Release the word. Release the word. What does the Lord want you to do? It was always meant to be that way. Exodus 20 is the first time we see the giving of the Ten Commandments. It's repeated in Deuteronomy 5. In Deuteronomy 5.29, the heart of God comes forth. And he says, oh, that my people had such a heart in them that they might follow my commandments and that they and their sons might live forever. It's written on your heart, you're going to do the rules. We're about just do the rules, because if the law of God is written on your heart, you're going to do the rules. You're going to follow them with ease and joy, not with duty and gritted teeth, grunts and groans. There's freedom. There's freedom in this. When I, was a, when I was a boy, Isaiah 55, is I'm going past that, I may have shared this illustration. When I was a boy, we had a big stump in the front of our house, and I would take firewood, kindling, and, and set it up there, and I had a pellet gun, and I would just shoot. I would shoot all kinds of ways, laying down, standing up, walking by, behind the back, whatever, just shoot, shoot at it, and it was, it was fun for me. I did that for months, and, and it was just, just one of those things that I enjoyed doing. Got to be a pretty good shot. Until one day when thankfully I wasn't home when the sweet little missionary man from Africa who lived in the house straight across the street behind that stump came and knocked on the door and said, um, Mrs. McKay to my mom, I- I've noticed that your son has been outside shooting some sort of rifle and I just think you need to know that there's some holes in my house. <laughs> Now, I wasn't, don't listen, I wasn't, I wasn't a bad kid, but here's what happened, and see if this bears truth with you. Amen. It never thought of anything beyond the target. Amen. It never occurred to me in months of shooting that there was a house straight behind it. How often do we do that with the Word of God? Isaiah 55 we know it just as the rain comes and the snow and it comes down and it waters the earth and it returns to heaven so shall my word be that goes forth from my house verse 11 from my mouth verse 11 it will not return to me without accomplishing the purpose for which I sent it or void or empty you've heard said in other things you ever thought about the fact that the word of god doesn't just have you as a goal and a target that there's something beyond it, that it keeps going. See, I never thought that those pellets kept going. I didn't miss too much, but I missed enough to put a little dinks, few dinks in his house. Not good, very thoughtless, very childish, but so often we're that way with the word of God, aren't we? We're thinking, God, just, just speak to me, just speak to me because I need to be fulfilled, I need to be happy, I need you to do things, good things in and through me and blah, blah, blah. And we never think about the fact that his word is moving, and it keeps moving even after it accomplishes in you and in me what he sent it to do it returns to him God's intention was always that his word be in motion not stuck in stone and the problem as you well know beloved the problem is we kind of like stone don't we tell me the rules how does this game work And I'll follow the stinking rules if it makes God happy and keeps him off my back and I can live my life. Maybe do a few things, you know. We love it. There's something within us that predisposes us to wanting formulas and things carved in stone. So God had to say, you know what? The very first time I write in stone, I'm going to shatter it because I never intended for my word just to sit there as a bunch of rules on the wall. I want it to be flowing through your heart, not just stopping when it gets to us, but continuing on. So how do you and I keep the word going so that it can return to him? Any ideas? A good bit of that is these. What do we do with what he tells us to do? God gives very few instructions very few you know, things that he speaks to us by his spirit into our spirit that are just feel-gooders. Most of it has got a little something to it that says, and please do this. Please cease doing this. Please share this with so-and-so. Please proclaim this from the mountaintops and the rooftops. Are we willing? Are we willing in, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus does a really dangerous thing. His disciples are going through the fields, and, and he's, uh, they, the religious leaders call him on it, Mark 2, 25 and following. And, and uh, Jesus says something kind of interesting, because if you think about it carefully, what he's doing is he's taking the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, and it's not, basically says this, you know what, Sabbath's made for the man, man's not made for the Sabbath. And the Son of Man, he himself is Lord of the Sabbath. You know what he's doing? He's superseding one of the Ten Commandments. Kind of interesting, huh? Paul says something interesting in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 21. He says, it's not that I'm, I'm out from under without the law of God. It's not that I'm without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, See, there's something about the kingdom of God that's just a little on the edge. And it's much safer and it's much easier for us to just try to be nice and follow the rules and think that that's enough. But that's not what God called you to. Jesus didn't die to make you nice, He died to make you dangerous. That's what he died for because you, how can he say in John 14, 12, you know what? The things I do, you're going to do and greater things. Jesus said that you raised the dead and you're telling me I'm going to do greater things because he always intended for his word to be active through us. He always intended for our hands to be those that are about his, his challenges, his word, what he tells us. That's how we intended it to be. The word is active. It's supposed to be moving. Secondly, the prophets. I have to go. I have to hurry. No worries. I know you said all the time, but it's just getting there. No worries. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. You probably know this. He says, the Lord says to Jeremiah, he says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, or like a hammer that shatters what? A rock. Coincidence? Probably not. When Elijah goes to the cave in 1 Kings 19, and he's, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah gives this spiel about, I'm the only one that's left, boo hoo, poor little me. And God says, Okay, I want you to take note. And what does God do? He sends a wind through. And what does it say about the wind specifically? It came through strongly, rending the rocks into pieces. Coincidence? Probably not. Then it says, he sent an earthquake. Oh, and it also says, but God was not in the wind. Really interesting. Sent an earthquake, shakes everything, but God was not in the earthquake. Sends a fire, but God was not in the fire. And then a gentle blowing. And then Elijah wraps his face in the mantle and comes out. And then the Lord, it says, not the word of the Lord, it says the Lord spoke to him at that point. God always intended for it to be moving. And he always intended for it to be broken out from the rocks. He always wanted his word to be free. From working through the law, all the way to the prophets. Looked at Numbers chapter 11, verse 23. You guys tracking this? Don't be polite. Are you tracking it? Okay. I don't need, you know. Whatever, you'd have to affirm me, so good. <laughs> Numbers 11, we'll look at verse uh, 23 and then we'll move on from there. The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power limited? Guess what that is, is the Lord's hand limited? Now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses went and told the people the words of the Lord. And I want you to see what happened next. Part of how God answered this was that he took the spirit, which was upon Moses, the Holy Spirit upon Moses, and he took it and he put it on 70 elders of Israel, 70 different elders. And they began to prophesy. Now, you know, this is not normal because some young man ran to tell him, hey, this is what's going on. You know, it's not normal because Joshua, who knew the Lord and would stay with Moses and stand in the presence of God just to be in his presence near the tent when Moses would go in to talk to God. Joshua says to Moses, Moses, restrain them. And I want you to look what Moses says. Joshua, verse 28, Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. God says, listen, I'm going to fulfill my word. You're going to see what I do. And the, the what he does is that he takes of his spirit that's upon Moses and he spreads it around. And he puts it on multiple elders of Israel who were, they were representative of the people themselves. That's what God wants to do with you. Now the Old Testament Interestingly, you, primarily the way the Holy Spirit moved in the Old Testament was the Spirit coming upon someone. Then the Spirit came upon Sam, Samson, and he, he tore you know, a lion like one tears a young kid. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul the king, and he prophesied. He laid down and prophesied for 24 hours. Uh, the exception, I've been through it with you before. Anybody remember, you get brownie points. The only time in the Old Testament it says someone was filled with the Holy Spirit was Bezalel. Yeah, you didn't think of that one, did you? Bezalel built the Ark of the Covenant and all the stuff in the tabernacle. And God deemed it so valuable that he filled him with his Holy Spirit. Other times, he comes upon people. What's the difference now? Indwelling. Yeah. The difference now is that Jesus says in John 7, out of your innermost being, rivers of living water will flow Rivers of living water will pool and sit there? Slosh around when you sit down too hard? Nope. Flow. You know what that means? Movement. You know what movement means? The word of God is going forth. You know why the word of God is going forth? Because the new covenant is that he wrote his law, his love, his word on your heart and mind. And now it's available to go out and forth. Are you living like that? I have trouble with that. That's hard. It's hard to think, "Wait, you know what? Just move through me, Lord." Instead of I need to know this, I need to understand this. I don't know how to answer. Sond and I are the people we're working with. There's some crazy theological issues that come up. I don't always have the answers. The Lord does. The Lord does. And if I learn to let his word be released through me and bring about the action that he wants, guess what? Problem solved. Not because of me, not because of my knowledge or study, but because of him and his glory. Hmm. Turn to Matthew 11. We looked at the issue of, we breezed through the issue of mouth and hand and now the law and the prophets. And I just want you to see Jesus' kind of summary of these. Matthew 11, verses 13 and 14. This says this, All the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah, who was to come. Luke 16, 16, you don't have to turn there if you're turning, if you're want to if you're a note taker. Luke 16:16 16, 16, The law and the prophets literally the text says until John there's no word in there. My translation puts in were proclaimed, but it's not in the text. The law and the prophets until John. That's verse chapter 16 verse 16. Since that time the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of a letter of the law to fail. Law and the prophets until John. Why? Because the kingdom of God under which you and I live is no longer just about the law and the prophets. And if we focus on the law, we're going to be prone to legalism. And if we focus on the prophets too much, we're going to sit around and go, God, I'm waiting for you to have some sign written on the ceiling before I go out and do anything. Until I wake up and it's written on the wall, I'm right here. And the reality is both of those are fleshly because God has called you and has called me to go when he gives us instruction in obedience. That's your calling. Be dangerous for him. I want to I close with this. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 3. If you're, if you're turning, I don't hear a lot of rustling, so either you have devices or you're... You're tracking with me in another way. First John, sorry, chapter 3. I believe I'm supposed to close with this. Verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And it's more of this coming part that I really want you to focus on. You see there the idea of mouth and action. We'll know by this that we are of the truth and we will assure our hearts before him in whatever our heart condemns us. You know your heart can condemn you? See, you're double teamed. Satan's happy to condemn you and your heart can do it too. In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And I believe... I want to ask you just to close your eyes. With with that kind of ringing through your your heart and your mind that that phrase confidence before God. Confidence before God. See his, his word says that what our heart says in condemning us is not the truth. And that we can have confidence before God. And so I just I just want you to, in an open posture, I just want you to, to receive from the Lord at this point. Father, I, I pray right now that you would just uh, blow away the dust and the dirt of our lives. And Lord, you would take us to a point, not by condemnation, not by constant goading, by manipulation or anything else, but by your spirit, Lord Jesus, you would just move us to the place where we can begin to envision the ministry that you have for us or not. And Lord, I believe the heart of your gospel, as we just read that up through the time of John the Baptist, the heart of your gospel began to come forth through you, through your sinless life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension but that a whole lot of that, Lord, is personified in you because you were the living word and you return to the Father just like your word comes to us and returns, Father. And so I I pray for each one now, Lord Jesus, no matter what our condition, that you would begin to blow on us by the wind of your spirit. And Father God, that you would stir up the word that you've implanted in our souls, which your word says is able to save, but far beyond that. I ask you for visions, Lord God. I ask you for revelation for my, my brothers and my sisters here of where you would have them walk, where you would have them serve, Father God. I pray for the outpouring, Lord, of your wisdom and your love. And Lord, I just I just stand. I speak in the name of Jesus against all uh, that is of insecurity, of doubt, of fear, of unbelief, Father God, that, that creeps into our hearts because we just, maybe we just haven't seen fruit when we have tried things. And I pray that you would make your word clear to us, Lord God, and that your word would stir our hands and we would do what you've called us to do, Lord, not out of some etched in stone sense of duty or false responsibility, but out of love and passion for you, Father God. Lord, I, just, I pray that you would, you would bring Mosaic as a body outside the walls of this church, Father God, that they would, they would filter out to the places that you've called them to be, to homes, to workplaces, Lord God, to grandkids, whatever it may be, and they would, they would share your love and your light. And that you would make an eternal kingdom impact. Continue that. You've already begun it through this body, Father, I pray. We honor you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. And give this all to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. listening to today's podcast if you would like more information please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.